Hey, 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 everybody. What's up, guys? It's your host, Ish, and welcome to the fifth segment of the Ish Condish podcast. After a two-month hiatus, just like the NBA season, I've decided to return to start creating some content for my five loyal followers, who all happen to be members of my family. In today's segment, I will be flying solo for the first time ever, and I'm going to talk about the biggest what-if trades that would have changed the course of NBA history. I know what you guys are thinking. Classic-ish, always over-exaggerating everything to bring attention to himself. But guys, I'm actually serious. Once you see these names involved in these trades, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Also, if you disagree with my picks, I'm going to take that personally, and I'm going to have to drop 50 on you, just like MJ would. Without further ado, let's jump right into these trades. So the first trade I'm going to talk about involves Scottie Pippen going to the Seattle Supersonics, and this occurred in 1994. After becoming the third NBA team to three-peat, the Michael Jordan-led Bulls had cemented themselves in the record books, and they looked completely untouchable. However, on October 6, 1993, Jordan announced his first retirement from the game, which shocked the entire sports world. Even though the NBA was stunned by this decision, Phil Jackson knew that he had to get his players focused and locked in for a fourth consecutive title. Without Jordan, the Bulls did great, and they finished 55-27, and but eventually lost to the Knicks in seven games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Even though Pippen cemented himself as one of the best players in basketball, Krause still had an urge to switch up the roster. Prior to draft night, Krause was in talks with Seattle regarding the idea of swapping Pippen for superstar forward Sean Kemp and sixth man Ricky Pierce. Kemp was four years younger than Pippen, and he was coming off a very solid year, averaging 18 points and 10 rebounds per game. Ricky Pierce was also a former two-time winner of the Sixth Man of the Year award, and he had been a solid scoring option off the bench throughout his whole career. What's even crazier about this situation is that Jordan reportedly even pushed Seattle Supersonics head coach, George Carl, to take the deal. He told Sam Smith that you'll be getting the best of it. In 2008, during the All-Star Weekend in New Orleans, ESPN's J.A. Adande finally had the chance to ask MJ if he would have returned without Pippen. He told Adande, probably not. I could have, he said that he could have played with Sean, but he wouldn't have been as comfortable as, I, as he was with Scotty. So there's a chance that MJ would have still played baseball, or maybe he would have signed with a different team. If Kemp got traded to Chicago, he would have become the number one option, and maybe he would have blossomed into an NBA champion or a perennial all-star. Pippen and Peyton would have gone down as the best defense, one of the best defensive duos in NBA history, and if Jordan returned to the Bulls to play alongside Kemp, Pippen would have been best suited to guard Mike. He and Peyton combined for 19 all-defensive teams, and they could have given the hypothetical pair all they could handle. Things worked out just fine for Jordan and the Bulls, but one can't help but wonder how they would have changed if the Sonics had accepted the deal and acquired one of the best small forwards of all time. Thank God this trade didn't happen because Jordan may have never three-peated again, and more importantly, the last dance would have ceased to exist. Shout out to Jerry Krause for coming to his senses. And the second trade I would like to talk about involves Allen Iverson going to the Detroit Pistons uh, during 2000. If this four-team trade would have went down, the NBA would have been turned upside down. So the Philadelphia 76ers almost sent Allen Iverson and Matt Geiger to the Detroit Pistons and Tony Kukoc to the Lakers. And this deal also included Eddie Jones going to the Charlotte Hornets to Philly and then Glenn Rice moving from the Lakers to the Sixers, among other pieces. What's crazy is that Matt Geiger, who's considered the most irrelevant player in this trade, ended the deal because of his trade kicker. Instead, 
Iverson went on to win the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award in 2000-2001, and they led the Sixers to the NBA Finals against Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. And they gave the Lakers their only loss of the postseason that year, which was crazy, when Iverson hit the famous step-back jumper over Tyron Lue and stepped over him. God, that was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Um, Los Angeles ended up sending Rice to the Knicks in a multiplayer trade that had Patrick Ewan off to the Supersonics. Oh, that's still so weird to me, seeing him in a Sonics uniform. Anyways, um, Horace Grant ended up going to the Lakers, and they helped, and he was an integral part of that Lakers team that helped beat Iverson in the 2001 Finals. Although Philly never won a title with Iverson, it enjoyed a legendary run, especially when the Sixers got a win in the Staples Center in Game 1 of the 2001 Finals. And at this point in his career, Rice was on the downswing. Jones spent most of his next few years with Miami, where he acted as a mentor for Dwayne Wade. And Jerry Stackhouse actually would have gone to the Hornets in the deal, but he stuck in Detroit, had a career year averaging 29.8 points per game during the 2000-2001 season. But he was eventually traded to the Washington Wizards for Rip Hamilton, who proved to be a vital piece of that 2004 championship Detroit Pistons squad. Finally, Kukoc would have been an interesting fit for the Lakers as a third scorer and a big guy who can handle the ball and pass, but he was instead traded to the Hawks for Dikembe Mutombo, and he averaged 19 points per game for the Hawks, and Mutombo was huge for the Sixers in an attempt to deal with O'Neal in the finals. Even though O'Neal averaged 38-15, and 15, he still was a big part um, helping Philly lead them to the finals. Even if Iverson ended up with Detroit in their prime, I still don't think they would have won a title because he didn't really have a team built around him besides Ben Wallace. Obviously, this trade would have been insane if it went down, but Iverson has cemented himself as one of the greatest Philadelphia 76ers of all time. The third trade I'm going to talk about is Chris Paul to the Los Angeles Lakers in 2011. First off, I know I know that every basketball fan knows about this hypothetical trade, but there's no way I was going to ignore this blockbuster. So in 2011, a proposed three-team trade that would send perennial all-NBA point guard Chris Paul to the Los Angeles Lakers was vetoed by NBA Commissioner David Stern. Even though this move is seen as dictator-like, he claimed that he was acting on the behalf of the New Orleans Hornets, uh, Paul's incumbent franchise, and one lacking an owner since George Shin had sold the team back in 2010. So basically, David Stern was acting as an owner for this team. Maybe he was just trying to protect a small market team from losing its best player ever. This hypothetical trade would have definitely altered the trajectory of the league, for sure. The Hornets would have received Goran Dragic, Lamar Odom, Luis Scola, Kevin Martin, and a 2012 first-round pick that turned into Royce White. The Rockets, the third team in the deal, would have received Pau Gasol. Even though Paul, Kobe, and Bynum would have been a lethal trio for years to come, I don't think they would have been capable of taking down San Antonio, or OKC's three-headed monster in 2012 with Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. Or I don't think they would have been able to take down the Golden State Warriors. Moreover, since Chris Paul has a dominating personality, this may have led to clashes with Kobe Bryant, who, who also has alpha tendencies. In addition, James Harden's ball-dominant tendencies irked Paul in Houston, so you can only imagine how he might react to Bryant, perhaps the most notorious ball-commandering superstar of the 21st century. I mean, I know that they were friends, but... Um, I think there still could have been animosity between the two. And even though they could have won a championship together, Lakers fans should still be grateful for all the success they've achieved. Also, come on guys, stop complaining. This happened nine years ago, and you guys have LeBron. Chill out. Anyways, this would have been a crazy trade that would have rocked the NBA world. The fourth trade 
I'm going to talk about is Kevin Love to the Golden State Warriors for Klay Thompson in 2014. Looking at this trade right now, many of you are thinking that this deal is crazy and that Minnesota would have clearly won the deal. However, back in 2014, many people around the league were split on this decision. In 2012, as a 23-year-old, Love averaged 26 points per game, 13.3 rebounds a game, and in his last season in Minnesota, he averaged 26 points, 12.5 rebounds, and 4.4 assists per game, and he also made 2.5 threes a night while finishing the season with a 27 PER. If this trade went down, Golden State would have received Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, along with David Lee for Kevin Love, J.J. Barea, and possibly Kevin Martin. The consensus, the consensus was that the Warriors had to seize this opportunity to add Love and trade Thompson in the process. Thompson was still unproven. I mean, he was a great shooter and solid defender, but Kevin Love was a perennial all-star and arguably the best power forward in the league at the time. Jerry West, and if you believe other reports, felt differently. West was a consultant with the team at the time, and he's arguably the most respected executive in league history. Um, I mean, he signed Shaq. He kept that Golden State team together. He's, Yeah, he's great. And he actually threatened to resign if Thompson was included in the deal. In the end, Golden State stood pat, and they kept Klay Thompson, and they ended up not doing the deal. Also, um, Mark Jackson would have never been able to optimize the roster if Klay left. And Thompson became an all-star and one of the greatest shooters in history. Also, Kevin Love was known as a bad defender throughout his career. And Jerry West believed that this would have hurt the team because uh, K-Love would have been a defensive liability, while Klay Thompson is a better shooter than Kevin Love, and he's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA right now. So if the Warriors had dealt Thompson and others for Love, they might have been a great team anyway, but it feels safe to say that they wouldn't have made five straight finals runs, and they, um, their dynasty of the 2010s would cease to exist. And also, if they kept Kevin Love, they might have not even hired Steve Kerr, and more importantly, they would have failed to ink Steph Curry by keep by signing him to a four-year, $44 million deal. So basically, thank God Jerry West kept this Warriors team together. They won three championships in five years, one of the greatest dynasties ever. Golden State fans, you guys should be bowing down to Jerry West. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Okay, the next trade is another crazy trade. And this involves Amari Stoudemire going to the Golden State Warriors for Stephen Curry. This occurred in 2009. So during this time, the Phoenix Suns were considered a revolutionary team with their seven seconds or less offense and their small ball style of basketball. On the other hand, the Warriors hadn't been relevant since 2007 when the We Believe roster upset the first seed Dallas Mavericks in the first round. Steve Kerr was actually the general manager of the Phoenix Suns during the 2009 draft, and he almost traded Amari Stoudemire and the number 14 pick, which became Earl Clark to the Golden State Warriors for Stephen Curry. However, due to Stoudemire's bad knees, the deal ended up falling through. Since Stoudemire became a free agent in 2010, it's possible that he would have not stayed in Golden State for another couple of years. And if he departed, the Warriors would have been left to just build around Monte Ellis. Even though Joe Lacob and company would have still bought the team in 2010, there's no way that Golden State would have won three titles in five years with Monte Ellis. As their franchise player and looking at it from Phoenix's side um, injecting Curry into that seven seconds or less culture would have broke the NBA Stoudemire's departure could have created a small ball lineup a crazy small ball lineup 
years before its proliferation with D'Antoni relying on Grant Hill and Jared Dudley at the power forward. Yes, I'm saying Jared Dudley. He would have been a very solid player in that lineup. I know, it's crazy to think. Um, in addition, Curry and Steve Nash running a pace and space offense would have just... I mean, defenses would have had so much trouble guarding that. There, there would have been no answers because it was never seen before. And they would have been um, appointment television every night. And they could have led... I mean, they could have possibly led the Suns to an NBA Finals matchup. Um, obviously, that backcourt would have been horrific defensively. But, um, you know, with Nash and Curry, both arguably the most unselfish point guards of the century. And they're both amazing shooters. It would have been lethal. I don't know how defenses would have been able to guard that because D'Antoni relies on they I mean D'Antoni lives or dies by the three so um defenses would have had to shifted really quickly to guard the three and then if you're guarding the three since everybody in that lineup could shoot the three Curry or Nash could just drive to the rim for an easy two anyways the Suns maybe would have become a really great basketball team I don't know if they would have became as good as Golden State but they would have been a really good team while Golden State would just be irrelevant which is so crazy to think about I mean they're one of the Biggest dynasties of the 2010s, but if this trade went down, they would just be irrelevant, which is so crazy to think about. But obviously, Golden State made the right decision again, keeping Steph Curry, and um, the rest is history. And the sixth trade I would like to talk about involves Kobe Bryant going to the Detroit Pistons in 2007. So after the Detroit Pistons were upset by the Lakers in the finals, they decided to hit the reset button. Shaq was dealt to Miami, Phil Jackson was fired in favor of Rudy Tomjanovich. In the wake of those changes, the Kobe Bryant-led Lakers missed the playoffs the next season, and they failed to escape the first round in the two ensuing seasons. In 2007, Bryant was fed up, and he went on an ESPN radio show talking about how he wants to be traded. And also, since Kobe had a no-trade clause, he used this to his advantage, and he gave the Lakers a list of teams he wanted to be traded to and made it clear that he would decline any offer that had a team not on that list. Detroit ended up making an offer that included Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, and future draft picks. Kobe was able to decline this offer because Detroit did not match their criteria for teams on his list. Even though the Pistons were a great team, they were in a small market and their best players were aging. After winning a title in 2004 and falling to the Spurs in the 05 Finals, the Pistons came up short in the Eastern Conference Finals, losing twice in a row to the Miami Heat, and Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron put on an unbelievable performance. However, placing Bryant alongside Billups and Wallace, they might have changed the outcome in 08, and possibly they would have created a great matchup against the Boston Celtics. Instead, the Grizzlies traded Powell to the Lakers for Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenton, Aaron McKee, and Marcus Saul, which is crazy, and two future first-round picks. Obviously, the rest is history. Lakers made a great decision, winning two titles in three years. So it looks like at the end of the day, Jerry Buss made the correct decision by keeping Kobe. And Kobe's one of the greatest of all time. Obviously, rest in peace to the great Kobe Bean Bryant. It still doesn't feel real to me. And now the seventh trade I want to talk about is Kyrie Irving to the Milwaukee Bucks in 2017. After three runs to the finals and one championship, Kyrie Irving decided he no longer wanted to play alongside LeBron James in the summer of 2017. At that time, Irving was 25. He was a four-time All-Star. He averaged 25 points per game, 5.8 assists per game, 
and he also hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history, helping Cleveland capture their first title in 50-plus years. Also, he had two years remaining on a five-year, $80 million contract, and that meant his trade value was very high. Before Cleveland ultimately dealt him to the Celtics, the Cavs had another significant offer on the table from none other than the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks really wanted to pair a second star with Giannis, and they were willing to sell off their young talent to do so. So, according to Zach Lowe of ESPN, it's reported that the Bucks offered Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon to Cleveland for Irving, and this deal would have changed the Eastern Conference for years to come. Brogdon was coming off Rookie of the Year Rookie of the Year honors, but he had not yet involved into the player that he is today with the Indiana Pacers, averaging 16 and 8, and he's one of the best. Uh, I think he's a top 10 defender at his position. I mean, he's 6'6", can guard multiple decisions, multiple positions. He's he's dangerous. And also, Middleton, even though he made all-star teams his past two seasons, he only averaged 19 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, and 4 assists per game over his last three years. He was only averaging 14 a game during the 16-17 season. Both were viewed as great role players, but it wasn't strong enough for a budding superstar like Kyrie, who was one of the best point guards in the game at the time, and he still is in my opinion. But if Cleveland made that deal, the Cavs lineup would have consisted of Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson, and they would have remained a top team in the East for sure, instead of the number four seed that James dragged to in the finals in 2018. The Cavs would have length, passing, defense all over their starting lineup, and that would be a perfect lineup to maybe potentially take down the Kevin Durant-led Golden State Warriors team. I mean, I still think Golden State would have won because... Um, they have four all-star players in their lineup, and they have arguably the best player on the planet on their team. And they also have a two-time MVP and the only unanimous MVP ever in Steph Curry. So I think Golden State would have ended up winning the series. But Brogdon and Middleton would have most likely not developed into players that they are today. But they would have worked perfectly under Coach Tyron Lue's system as they would stretch the floor. And both of them have the ability to defend multiple positions. Um... I mean, perhaps with Middleton and Brogdon, James would have maybe considered staying in Cleveland and not going to the Lakers. I still disagree with that because the Lakers was not was not really a basketball decision. It was more of like a family decision and a business decision. So I still think he would have gone to L.A. But um, Milwaukee, on the other hand, would have never probably prospered into the team that they are today. I mean, they would have never, I mean, I think Kyrie would have still ended up leaving Milwaukee and going to his hometown Brooklyn Nets. But if those two stayed together, I mean, they would have been a lethal duo for uh, years to come. But obviously, the Bucks made the right decision. Giannis is one of the best players on the planet. Middleton's a great co-star. They, got, they ended up getting a point guard in Eric Bledsoe. They have a deep bench with Dante DiVincenzo. Lopez is a great role player for that team. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks are a very solid team. Hopefully, they keep Giannis, and I swear, if he goes to Golden State, oh, it's just going to make me sick, but it's going to be incredible to watch. The eighth trade that I'm going to talk about is Paul George the Cavs in 2017. So, during the time that the Cavs were shopping Irving, Indiana was one of the teams that offered Cleveland a solid package. Paul George told the Pacers that he wouldn't be resigning with them, and the Cavs made a hard push to pair him with LeBron and Irving. However, they would have to give up Kevin Love. The Denver Nuggets wanted Love and were willing to give up Gary Harris, who at the time was a 22-year-old shooting guard who was averaging 14.9 points per game on 42% from three. Harris would end up going to the Pacers, 
who would also be getting other pieces in this deal if it went down. All three teams agreed on the trade during the conference call, but at the last second, Pacers general manager Kevin Pritchard backed out, later trading George to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Victor Oladipo and Domantas Sabonis. Had George been sent to the Cavs, Cleveland would have been more likely to keep Irving, or at least trade him in a more of a win-now deal instead of one highlighted by a draft pick. James and George would have both become free agents in 2018, with their success together in 27-2018 likely dictating where each would go on to sign. The Cavs-Golden State Warriors rivalry would have certainly have taken an interesting turn as well, but I still believe that uh, Golden State would end up prevailing and winning a championship. The Nuggets wouldn't have signed Paul Millsap to a three-year $90 million deal with Love already in place, but the Pacers would have suffered the most. Both Oladipo and Sabonis have made Indiana relevant once again, and they've become one of the best teams in the East under coach Nate McMillan. If they both ended up not going to Indiana as a result of this trade, Indiana would be a lottery team right now. Harris has regressed in Denver, now looking like a borderline starter instead of a future all-star wing. Flipping love for George would have been a franchise-saving move for Cleveland, but the Pacers look like geniuses after not complying with the trade. The ninth and final trade I'd like to talk about is Dwayne Wade going to the Chicago Bulls in 2008. After winning the 2006 Finals, the Miami Heat started to spiral downwards. During the 2007-2008 season, they only won 15 games and Wade missed most of the season due to injury. Therefore, Wade had a desire to get out of Miami. In 2008, the Chicago Bulls miraculously snagged the number one pick. During this time, there was some buzz around the league that the Bulls were trying to package it in a deal to acquire Wade from the Heat. Chad Ford, then with ESPN, theorized that Chicago could offer something like the pick, Joe Kim Noah, Tabo Cephalosha, and Drew Gooden's expiring deal, while Miami could rebuild around Derrick Rose and Michael Beasley. If this trade happened, the Heat and the Bulls could have possibly traded realities over the ensuing decade. Moreover, the 2010 offseason would have drastically changed. And the Bulls were actually so close to signing Wade and LeBron and possibly Chris Bosch to the Chicago Bulls, but the deal ended up falling through and all those guys um, took their talents to South Beach while the Bulls um, built around role players such as Carlos Boozer, Kyle Korver, Ronnie Brewer, and Keith Bogans. If the Bulls had landed Wade in 08, maybe that added familiarity would have nudged them ahead in the super team sweepstakes and turned Chicago into a four-time finalist and two-time champion. Who knows, maybe if Wade was with the Bulls, his buddy LeBron would have came to Chicago as well. If the Heat had to restart with Rose and Beasley, would the former still skyrocket to the league MVP in his third NBA season? How would that turn out for the Miami Heat? Would Rose ever get injured? Would he still be healthy today and be one of the best point guards in the game? I just think that this trade is super, super intriguing because the Eastern Conference hierarchy and maybe the association's entire power structure could have changed overnight, just like that. It dep I mean, depending on the situation, maybe Rose would never get hurt. Who knows? It's just, it's so crazy for me to think about, you know, what could have happened. Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this segment of the podcast. I know that everyone is having a rough time during this pandemic, but we can get through this together by thinking positive, positively and helping others in need. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the class of 2020. Guys, it's been an amazing ride. And I know that the end of our senior year wasn't ideal, but we still have the most... We still made the most of it, and all of us are going to become stronger as a result of this experience. Have a nice rest of your week, and everybody, please stay safe. Thank you, and uh, chat it out.